Friday. We're just lounging around with a beverage. Hope everyone's doing well. Friday. James is dealing here with Andrew Fantasia. Hello, hello. I'm just grooving. This is my Friday dance. Yeah, it's Andrew Fantasia with a. Bring some nice music to get us in. Like it's like you're at like a resort, but not at the good part of the resort. Anyway, let's get that. Let's get that. Let's Andrew updates. It's Friday. We're going casual today, Andrew. It's casual Friday. Oh, We're I don't need a shirt to, then. You don't need a shirt. I hope you're not even wearing pants because if you're wearing pants, first of all, you've been doing the pandemic all wrong. Um. If, you if know, you're wearing, I haven't worn pants for two years already. If, if anyway. I learned anything from this pandemic, it's that apparently I'm the weird one because I'm the only person in the world who walks around fully clothed in my own home. Apparently that that makes me the odd one out. I don't know. It's a, have you been wearing like nice clothes though, or do you wear like uh, um? Do you wear? I'm trying to say like jogging pants and like long johns and stuff. See, I don't own sweatpants or jogging pants. I literally just have dress pants and jeans. And that's it. Some of the dress pants, there's like a hierarchy though. Like some dress pants are like way too big for me. So I look like Krusty the Clown when I'm wearing them. And then some are like what I would actually wear out to an event. So there's a tier, but it's just there's nothing sweatpant related in my wardrobe. Okay, well we got to make that change. But let's get on with the show. It is Friday. It's casual. So the way this show, we're gonna, I have not done this show in four freaking years, Andrew. It's been four years <laughs> since we've done it, but here we are having a great time. The way it works is we just pick a bunch of topics and we're going to talk about them. If you want us to talk about your topic on a casual Friday show going forward, email us a digital charcuterie at gmail.com that's digital charcuterie at gmail.com you can find that in the description of this video and you just email it and we'll do it. that's how we used to do it but we we haven't done it for four years so we don't have any emails coming in anymore because uh, people thought that i was dead i'm not yet i'm still here let's go we're gonna talk um a little bit about uh this um, song just dropped today andrew a song by michael giacchino just came up we got mr rez in the in the chat saying charcuterie, spelling it very phonetically. We're going to talk about music by Michael Giacchino, though. The Catwoman's song, score, track, I guess you could call it, from the Batman soundtrack, just uh, hit uh, today, this morning, like midnight, sometime around there. This is the third one. First, we got the Batman. Then we got the Riddler. Now we got the Catwoman score. We're not going to play it because YouTube will block us. And, you know, all 67 cents that we're going to make from this video, we need that to survive. But, Andrew, I sent you this track. You listened to it. What were your thoughts on the Catwoman score? This might be my favorite of the three scores, James. I like this. I like that they used um, violin. Violin kind of goes hand in hand with Catwoman. Uh, there's just something about the way a violin sounds, something about the way strings sound that complement the movement of a cat. If you look at old cartoons or like old Batman stuff and listen to the music that plays when there are cat women or just cats on screen, you hear a lot of strings and there's a reason for that. Michael Giacchino knows what he's doing. And this has that right sound. There's also some really cool kind of like melancholic piano going on there. Uh, it sounds kind of like you're, 
the mood that this song put me in is like I'm standing in an after hours jazz club and something dangerous is about to happen. Yeah. Uh, it's just the perfect sort of way to spell out this character musically. And yeah, it's my favorite of the three. The Batman one is a very close second though. I I sent you after I heard this the first time I sent it to you and I said this is very like haunting and well I said haunting and I felt um what was the there was something about it, it just felt tragic almost mm-hmm. and I'm like I was like is this how telling is this for this character you know is this character going to be haunted and tragic because I think from what we can gather from what we've seen without getting into any spoilers, because we don't have any anyway. We have we have not been to, we are two, the two of us have not been lucky enough to have been invited by Warner Brothers to go see it, which I don't understand. But we've been covering everything Warner Brothers for the last 27 years, and they still won't invite us. Um, but everything we know about this character is she, she loses her mother. Uh, she is raised by uh, Falcone. She's like Falcone's uh, like adopted daughter. I don't know if that's technically is or if it's just that's the way they kind of have their connection with each other so her you know her upbringing has been probably tragic her mother was let's be honest probably killed by falcone's men like that's probably the reality of it all right there so i don't this score yeah really brought something out i know you said the batman was your number two but the riddler score i want to talk about that just a little tiny bit because that one the batman one's great they released that first for a reason that's very you know, it's very Batman, especially the ending, the 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 last little. If you haven't listened to that track, you got to go check it out. It's on uh, that that track. The Batman's uh, theme is on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify, whereas the Riddler and Catwoman are only on Spotify and YouTube, I believe. So you want to check that out. But take the Riddler that, one, yeah, take it. <laughs> the uh, the the Apple, the Riddler one though intrigues me a lot because of the use of Ave Maria. And the one scene that we've seen is the funeral scene, and Ave Maria is, aside from Christmas time, it's it's used a lot at funerals. So it, uh, you know, it brings on the death of the Riddler. And you're a huge Riddler fan as well. Nobody likes the Riddler as much as you do. And they seem, uh, we're getting away from the score a little bit, but it seems, Andrew, that we're getting the Riddler that you've been dying for in this movie. Hell yes, the score for his. I have to listen to it again because it's the one that just stuck with me the least. I, th- I was like playing Assassin's Creed or something when you sent me the Riddler score. So I was listening to it and then I just kind of was like, oh, that's nice. And then I carried on assassinating people in medieval Europe. So I was not like focused on it as much as I would want to be. But I remember it being spooky, all the right kinds of spooky. And I remember it having some really good bombast in the middle. But for the most part, it was very quiet and unnerving which is kind of Riddler style. So again, it makes sense. All of the Giacchino stuff, all of his uh, his scores all make sense. Uh, I want to say hello to Rez and Jennifer in the chat. And Jennifer is saying Riddler is the best. Thank you, Jennifer. Because that is exactly right. That is the right Oh, answer. whatever. Yeah. He is the best. I love the Riddler. Villain. I do love the Riddler. My favorite villain is the Penguin. I don't know why. I think it's just, um, I put my, my old uh, 1980s, toy away but i there's just only with the penguin i always like but i I have this um weird obsession with top hats and the penguin and top hats kind of gets me and i kind (laughs) of wish colin farrell would wear one but whatever that's my i i love the riddler theme though the riddler theme the ave maria it's very it's very haunting very there's something about it 
Uh, we're only a few weeks away from this movie, but the Catwoman score just dropped today. It is, I think it's haunting and tragic, and I think it's worth checking out. Like you said, it might be the best of the three. It feels almost like it's the the most complete of the three. The Batman one, as much as I like it, it it, it feels like it's part of something bigger in a lot of ways. I mean, it should, but it feels like it's something bigger. Like it's part of this bigger orchestral score that's going on that we're going to get the riddler one is ave maria like i said and this one is just i, I kind of feel like i get to know the character and now look when i see the movie maybe that's not the case whatsoever but when i hear that that uh, theme i definitely feel like i i know who selena kyle is underneath the cowl she's got nine lives andrew she points that out in the trailer so she does there you go I, I had a question because I was, you know, you and I both grew up watching the Adam West stuff, right? So we're, yeah. we both kind of were there for all this different iterations of Batman as he has grown and changed. And I, I can't figure out, and maybe you know, because you're smarter and older. Um, at what point did... Mostly older. <laughs> mostly older. At what point in time did Catwoman stop being a villain? Because now she's just kind of like... Every time she pops up, she's just like a thief yeah, who ends she, up marrying him. I gotta say, I, I I could be completely off because I don't know. I haven't read too many Catwoman. Uh, me mostly just in Batman, but I I got I on I think she was always kind of on the fence. I think she was always a villain, but she was never like the Joker, just all the way villain. I think she was someone who kind of towed the line. She was like the. She was the mirror of, of Batman, whereas Batman's on this side of the mirror. She was on this side of the mirror. That's what I kind of think. Because even when you watch those old, the old Adam West shows, she she was evil, but she had that soft spot for Adam West. And who didn't? Who didn't? But I think it was late 90s, around the late 90s after Michelle Pfeiffer. I think that's when they kind of decided. It might even been or the animated series might have towed the line a little bit where she wasn't completely bad. And then they kind of made her an anti-villain, which is very, it's funny. Cause it's almost exactly like what they're doing with Harley Quinn. Like Harley, yeah. Quinn, like you play like injustice. It's like Harley Quinn's just like a hero and you're like, Oh, okay. So she's just a good guy now. Yeah. And then, you know, you see the arguments. Well, she, that's how she is. It's just the Joker's what makes her bad. I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. <laughs> that's how it works. Good. But like, I, they've done the same type of thing. And I think it kind of, it works with both of them to be honest. And I, the problem that, the problem is we all love the villains, but we all watch the stories for the heroes. And so if you want to make a character like Catwoman or Harley Quinn more accessible, you got to make them heroic, even though they're not good. Like Harley Quinn and Catwoman, they're, they're both thieves, right? But they, but they, or they're villains, but they, they, there's always the chance that they'll be on the right side of things. And if you play the Arkham Asylum games, Catwoman's not a good guy, but she's, not necessarily a pure villain. Kind of like Mr. Freeze is the same way. Yeah. I mean, Catwoman is always going to look out for herself first. But I feel like if you put me in a room with Harley, there's a really good chance she'll break my kneecaps with something. Whereas if you put me in a room with Catwoman, she'll probably just be like later and she'll take off without hurting me. So like there, there is like lines that they won't let Catwoman cross anymore. And it's weird because I feel like, you know, Eartha Kitt would have, you know, she'd flirt with Adam West, but she was still more than willing to tie him to a bomb. So I'm just yeah. so curious where that line was first drawn and why. I I, I think it was, well, why it was, 
to to make a profit. And I it, it, honestly, I don't know. Somebody's going to comment and tell us that radius, but I'm guessing it had something <laughs> to do with the cat the Catwoman movie with Halle Berry, where they had to justify, you know, doing something around there. And I think it was around that time. And I don't know. I I, I think this movie's going to make her bad. I think she's going to be more evil than good in this movie. And I think it's going to. I think she's going to be towing the line the whole movie. And at, towards the end, when you think, okay, well, the Falcone influence, she's realizing the Falcone influence. And then at the end, she's going to say, no, 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 no. There's a Falcone influence, but I am who I am and I am not a good person. And then she's, that's when, that's the moment when Selena Kyle becomes Catwoman. That's what I'm going with. I could be completely off. Like I said, Warner Bros. wasn't kind enough to invite us to a pre-screening. So they're dead to us. Thanks, brothers. All right, let's move on to our first uh, official topic of the day. This is something that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, This is She-Hulk news. I know you're really looking forward to She-Hulk. Yeah. Uh, But the the news, the rumor going around right now is that Howard the Duck, everyone's favorite duck that's not Donald or Daffy or Ace or or Deadeye or any any of those ducks (laughs) – Duckula, any of those? It's it's Howard the Duck. Apparently, Andrew will be appearing in the She-Hulk show, but word is that it's more than a cameo. That Howard the Duck will essentially be a character in the She-Hulk show. As a fan, someone who's looking forward to She-Hulk, and someone who knows something about Howard the Duck, I'm guessing. What do you make of any of this? Okay, first of all, I really appreciate the effort you put into making it look like Tatiana is holding Howard the Duck. <laughs> she's holding his head up. Just like, yeah. She's not only holding him, but from the look on her face, she's kind of proud of the fact that she's holding him. And he's just like, what are you holding me for? <laughs> Which is how I feel like this is how a duck would react in this situation. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it, I mean, I've been vocal before. This is the show I was the most excited for out of the whole Marvel show slate. Because uh, She-Hulk is just cool. I don't love this new logo at all, but whatever. Yeah, that's uh, why I put it on this poster because I know you don't like it. So I did. Yeah, this, I did this out of pure spite towards you. <laughs> I do prefer the old one. I do prefer the old one as well. This one's like, this one looks like uh, very bland, like NBC, like Thursday night at 10 p.m. Exactly. That's what this one looks like. The other one looked like a Marvel show. I'm with you on that. This looks like it's still being made by Ike Perlmutter in the Netflix days. <laughs> um, yeah, Howard. Okay. Howard showing up would be really, really fun, especially if she has to defend him on trial, because from the little I know about Howard, he's not a very easy guy to defend. He's into all sorts of uh, salacious things. So seeing that, and if that's like a partnership where it's like this giant green lady and this little duck man walking around, uh, fending off Kingpin or whoever the hell is going to be in the show, Abomination, I don't know. I I think that makes it even more fun than it was already promising to be. Um, does this mean, I don't know, I, like obviously, you know, this is a totally different animal than the Howard the Duck 1986 movie. But if Leah Thompson wants to show up at some point in this film, James, I will not say no. The multiverse is out there, Andrew. Anything is possible at this point in time. Clearly, this is a different Howard the Duck. I hope Seth Green comes back to do the voice. I don't see why Marvel wouldn't do that. I don't see why he wouldn't do that either. Like he was in there. I don't know much. I've seen the the I've seen the Howard the Duck movie uh, a bunch of times, and my knowledge of She-Hulk is I'm excited for the She-Hulk show. I've said this several times. I love the Hulk though, 
my knowledge of She-Hulk is just that you know she's like the Hulk, and so I'm very excited about about that. Looking forward to it. I, but I don't understand how this interaction would work at all. Like my base, my limited knowledge is telling me two things. Why am I excited for it aside from the fact that it's a talking duck? And how does it make sense? Like I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I know that Bruce Banner is going to show up, which makes sense to me. But Howard the Duck, it just. I here's a question, Andrew, because you you're a big Marvel guy. You have your Infinity rewatch podcast going on, where you rewatch all the Marvel sh- Infinity, well, every Marvel thing now. But do you think that lately Marvel might be catering to the fans a little bit too much? Do you think that that's a concern have you ever as i cry i guess it hasn't crossed your mind judging from the face you just made but do you think that there's a chance that marvel might cater to the fans a little bit more than they need to i don't know if this counts as catering to the fans too much but the first thing that sort of was a red flag for me of like phase four was this whole thing of patrick stewart being in dr strange like i love the fact that patrick stewart is back as Professor Rex. I think that's really, really neat. But it has me a little bit worried because as cool as it is to see him and as cool as it was to see what we saw in Spider-Man No Way Home, when it comes to like the X-Men, I would much rather have all new versions of those characters. I'd much rather have the MCU version of Wolverine, the MCU version of Rogue, uh, particularly Rogue, because she was kind of boring in the other movies. Uh, I like I I want to see them kind of develop and improve on what we got before. So I'm worried that the whole multiverse of it all is it might go too far where X-Men is concerned and we might just get all the old actors back. And I don't really want that. I'm sorry. I don't I don't really want that. I want to gonna... like uh, just make it mostly new. 90%. I know. I don't think Patrick Stewart's in it for the long haul. I hope you're right. I, I think we're getting an MCU Professor X. Um, and I said this on our show on Tuesday, on Super Tuesday, on we talked about Doctor Strange 2 a little bit there, where um, per, Patrick Stewart turned down Kevin Feige for returning as Professor X because of his ending in Logan. And he mm-hmm. said if Logan didn't happen, maybe he would think differently. But because of it, he didn't want to do it. And now he's back. And that tells me he's only back to he's back for a purpose and i think it's a one film purpose and scotty haku is on the show he theorized that maybe the illuminati all gets one that kills them all so all those members all of your uh so who the black bolt from the show is going to be one of the members apparently uh professor x is in there let's just go with krasinski as uh, reed richards and uh, who and whoever else maybe they all uh they all go the other way because speaking of fan, we're totally off topic with She-Hulk, but the fan theory of Reed Richards, if they don't get Krasinski in there as Reed Richards, is there going to be a huge fan uproar? Hey, Vermont Mike. Hey, Vermont Mike. Howdy. Um, if they don't get Reed Richards, if they cast John Krasinski and it's not Reed Richards, then yeah, I feel like some people might uproar. I don't really care who plays Reed myself, but... If they, I'm with you on that one too. Yeah, if they show Reed and it's somebody else, cool. But if John Krasinski is playing, you know, Ralph Boner the Third, they they gotta know that that's gonna come with some backlash, right? And I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna 
pick one lane or the other. Um, but that's the only thing that has me worried. Uh, like I, in the world, I mean, with She-Hulk, particularly like, let's use the old logo as an example, because that's a perfect example. The old logo of She-Hulk represents what I love so much about the MCU is that it's taking the world of Marvel Comics and celebrating the cheesy, colorful, comic bookiness of it all, which good or bad, early 2000s superhero movies did not really do all that often. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Raimi Spider-Man, but that's, you know, that's a whole other story. Uh, so when we get the MCU version of the X-Men, what I'd like to see as a guy who loved that X-Men cartoon is the cheesy, colorful Marvel Comics versions of the X-Men. I want Wolverine to have black and things coming off his head and the yellow spandex. I want Rogue to be super Southern and wear green and yellow. Uh, and I feel like if we get Jackman and Paquin, they're not going to do that. They're just going to be like, hey, it's it's me again. Hello. Um, and I'd rather just get the fun, colorful, celebratory Marvel versions of those characters because they're just, we have not seen that yet. We've seen amazing Professor X's and Magneto's and all that, but we haven't seen those versions yet. And I'd love to see them. And Vermont Mike wants to get a gambit. I'm I'm all there for you, Vermont Mike. And unlike the costume director who worked on X-Men Origins Wolverine, I think that the, the MCU people will take the extra bit of effort to actually make Gambit's coat brown instead of black. So like, it's those little things that'll make the difference. I think the, the Gambit, okay, first there was no, it's, it always made me laugh that Gambit was in that X-Men, that um, the Wolverine movie, because years, it must, it probably around 20 years ago now, they asked, why isn't Gambit in the X-Men movies? And one of the producers said, I think it was Laura Schuler Donner said, Gambit's too similar to Wolverine. They didn't want to have those two characters in there because they're too similar. And whether you agree or not, Andrew, that was the quote, okay? And, now, and you can Google it. I'm sure you can Google it. I talked to Laura this morning. She yeah. <laughs> and then, well, I'm just saying Google it because I know that I'm not making that because I remember reading that. And then he appeared in that movie like five years later. And I was like, what is going on here? You're saying that they're too similar to be in an X-Men movie, but now we're in a Wolverine movie and you're throwing them in there. Fine. And then there was a, supposed to be that Channing Tatum Gambit movie where he was attached. He was like the Tom Cruise of Iron Man. He was attached to Gambit for years. And word just came out, I think earlier this week where, or last week, they said that that, that movie was supposed to take place like in like an isolated desert area. And it was like good. They referred to it as the Goodfellas of cop or superhero movies or something like that, where they were like mm -hmm. a bunch of mutants who kind of lived their own lives and didn't want to help people. And were just like gangsters, uh, essentially. I think Gambit's coming. I think they're going to wait a little bit on Wolverine, Andrew. And I think Gambit's Gambit's coming up sooner than later because we haven't really, we saw Gambit once, but it wasn't Gambit. It was kind of Gambit, but not really. Wolverine we got for 20 years. We have 20 years of Wolverine. And with the exception of what, two movies maybe? One and a half movies? We've got some pretty good Wolverine like yeah. in 20 years, right? Like, I mean, you take away that first X-Men Origins. Even X-Men 3 I'll take. You know, like we've gotten some pretty good Wolverine in 20 years that I think they need to – they won't, <laughs> but I think they need to slow down on the Wolverine a little bit back to She-Hawk though. What are your expectations for the show? And can you shed some, shed some light on what you think the plot or the purpose of the show will be? Cause we know with Marvel, 
it's not just She-Hulk. It's She-Hulk, but She-Hulk's going to bring you into, uh, it's going to connect to something. So, Andrew, hit, hit me with your with your knowledge. Oh, boy. I don't have a whole lot of that knowledge. On so the gonna spot. Be a we can't. Ah! We've um, talked about this for two, for like an hour now. You knew we were talking about this. You should have prepared for <laughs> Um, I think that She-Hulk is going to deal with a bit of the fallout, not much, but a bit of the fallout of Spider-Man and Hawkeye, because these are two big events that happened in New York City, and, you know, she's a lawyer, so she is dealing with big events happening in New York City, so I feel like the show is going to However, she ends up getting the powers if they're going to keep it the same or change it, blood transfusion or whatever happens. Um, I think that being She-Hulk, it's going to be kind of like a, a me, myself, and Irene situation. That's what I feel we're going to have here. I feel like um, Jennifer Walters is going to be kind of shy, kind of reserved, kind of a doormat. Uh, and that's sort of the opposite of what lawyers tend to be. So I feel like that's really going to hinder her career. And then the second She-Hulk comes into town, it's going to be that yin yang thing of like well i'm so shy when i'm me but when i'm she hulk i'm like fabulous and everybody loves me and so i'm going to use that charisma to get ahead in my career and she's going to become this superstar lawyer and maybe it gets to her head maybe she gets to that point where you know she's like oh i don't i don't need your advice anymore bruce i'm the best lawyer in town now uh but then she's going to need to reel it in and you know find her uh her her humility and deal with some kind of big threat, some kind of big case, whether it has to do with Fisk, whether it has to do with, uh, who, I don't know, some other villain. I don't know who's operating in New York City right now. Marvel's kind of short on villains. Uh, so it could be anybody. That, I hope they introduce somebody new, but I hope Fisk is also there because Big Willie is the big guy. And then Howard is just there as like a little, uh, little bonus treat. Maybe she, he's one of the cases that, she worked on on her way up and now he's her pal because uh, she didn't really have many friends beforehand. So uh, I, I see it as kind of like a, a buddy cop movie, but instead of buddy cops, it's buddy lawyer. What if it's like Boston legal? Oh, then I hope but everybody's like, got a Boston accent and she's like, Hey, I'm she Hulk. <laughs> but, but like Howard the duck is like the Shatner to her spader, but she's also like a she Hulk. I'm in. Let's do it. I'm looking forward to this. I got to be honest with you. I didn't really care about Moon Knight too much. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago. And now I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm growing to it. I'm not over the moon excited for Moon Knight necessarily. But I am uh, intrigued by it more and more. And I think your explanation of the accent uh, really kind of, uh, the la- the Super Bowl spot that was like 30 seconds or a minute, whatever it was. I think that kind of put your theory of his voice uh, forward. And I kind of, I think that's where they're going with it. All right, let's move on. Uh, what are we moving on to, Andrew? You want to move on to Turtle Power? This is the new logo for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that's coming out in 2023. Executive produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg who of course did Pineapple Express. And when you think of that movie, you think of Superbad and you think of Ninja Turtles as well. But the big news of the day, aside from this being released um, a week, I think it's a week earlier than projected. They were like, no, you know what? We've got something here. It's going to be a week earlier in August, which I like. August works for Ninja Turtles. It worked for the Michael Bay first movie. They went with June for the sequel. It didn't work out so well, even though you and I are huge fans of that movie. But they went 
for it here. Um, Mr. Reds is saying this is bitching. I totally agree. Yeah, that's a nice welcome. I told you it's like, don't get excited, but it is, but it's not. You know what I mean? It's not like in your face. It's very perfectly subtle. It's exactly what you want it to be. It's reminiscent of the old red one from from the uh, 80s comic run, which I have those here. Anyway, somewhere. Um, but any, but the, the big news, Andrew, aside from, from this, is that Paramount Plus is like, and then you're going to get movies specifically based on Ninja Turtle villains on Paramount Plus to follow. So it's kind of like they're doing like some weird shared universe, but it's the villain shared universe because the heroes are, they're heroes in a half shell. We already got them. So you hear that news, Fantasia. What excites you? What maybe makes you hesitant? And what villains are you hoping to see on the Ninja Turtle Paramount Plus movies? Don't forget, each movie is a villain. Yeah. This is a weird story because there's there's this Seth Rogen movie and there's also there's a second movie and I keep hearing one is live action and one is animated and I don't know which is which. So the Colin Jost one and he's running with his brother apparently from Saturday Night Live. That one I haven't heard anything of that. So we're not talking so that one's like on the back burner. I don't know what's going on but the Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg one which is happening which is coming out on November or November in August 2023 is animated and these side stories will also be animated films as well okay all right so if we're just talking animated then um see this is tricky man this is really tricky you and i both got really excited when out of the shadows came out uh Uh because it came the closest to giving us what every child in north america in the year 1990 wanted to see um and i feel like I don't mean to be that guy who dumps on animated films because you know I love them. I'm I'm not I don't have that bias anywhere in my body, but this just by the fact that it's animated, it can't be that movie. It can't be that 1990 movie that we all wanted. It just agreed. It, um that doesn't mean it it can't be good. I'm sure it will be awesome. I'm sure uh, I mean Seth and Evan are two very funny dudes. I'm sure they can come up with some really good stuff to do with these turtles. But, okay, what can you tell, what story can you tell in this movie that's different enough from the 2009 movie, the TMNT one, that it stands on its own, um, but can also uh, sort of bring the turtle world into a place where you want to see all these spinoffs? You know, what's it going to do to make some kid who's never heard of Baxter Stockman excited about the possibility of seeing a Baxter Stockman movie. And Vermont, you're right. If there's no ice and there's no partners in crime, who the hell is scoring this picture? Because what's the point? I'm with you, Andrew. I want live action. I I was a kid in the eighties. I used to watch the cartoon. And when the live action movie came out, it was, it's something different, right? It's adult. It's like, Oh, it's real. This is something real that you can have. The, the problem is, you know, you look at the Michael Bay one, like them or not. I mean, it's pretty much a, it's Roger Rabbit, right? It's, it's a cartoon in real world. So what's the difference almost? You could do more with animation, but it won't have that feeling. The legitimateness uh, of, of the live action. <clears throat> and I, I think about this all the time with like Spider-Man and even Batman, where you have Into the Spider-Verse and Mask of the Phantasm, which could you could argue are 
the strongest movies of any of, of both of those characters but they're animated so they're always left they're not at the forefront of the conversation of the mind right like no way's home is always going to be superior to into the spider-verse because it is live action and it's part of this big thing there's something special about live action that being said if we're going to get it we're going to get i like the tmnt movie i i I always liked your idea like continue the turtle movie but keep them like the burden uh batman films and keep them in like the early 90s late 80s early 90s keep them contained in that timeline yeah keep new york looking gritty and dangerous Exactly, keep it in that, and I think that would be more effective. But we're going to get this cartoon. I would like to see the Rat King as mm. as a as a Paramount Plus show. There's a few though. There's Tiger Claw, but Shredder. The one thing with the Bay movies is they botched Shredder so hard on the first one, and then they kind of retconned him in the second. Well, they retconned him during the first one, and <laughs> they just they botched him. Like I think they I think they were going in like an an intriguing direction with the Shredder, and then and then the internet kind of found out about it and they're like whoa what no and then they they tried to retcon their own movie while they were making it and they didn't do a good job i don't think of that and then the sequel they just kind of were like ah don't worry about it it's just shredder but the, the one thing with the shredder though that the the 90 movie did so well was his relationship with splinter and splinter's master and you go back and there's a and i don't know if this works in animation this is the thing though for paramount plus but that story is exciting and intriguing and it has a lot there's a lot there and a lot of lore that you can expand on also going back there and obviously um you know he's gonna show up yeah and that's the thing for me is if if there's one thing that no turtles movie live action or not has done yet it's probably my favorite aspect of the 90s cartoon which is the relationship between Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady and how they are this dysfunctional family who lives together in this giant metal ball and they all hate each other and they're all very mean and cruel and Krang is like, pick up that computer, Shredder. Oh, don't tell me what to do. And they they just, you, you can watch them for hours and you don't even need to look at the turtles because there's so much entertaining stuff happening here. Uh, I feel like somewhere down the line when it comes to big properties like this we lost the concept of villains having a sense of humor and it's sad because i i miss that being a thing uh so i hope that one of these movies one of these 14 movies paramount has in the pipeline uh recreates that relationship in a fun way because that was that was half the fun of watching that cartoon. Like, yeah, I'm getting the turtles, but I know I'm going to see Shredder and Krang and they're going to smack talk each other. And it's going to be great. Yeah. And it's something that you can, like you said, King kids cling to that, but I, I don't, I villains as a whole have just lost their way. And, and you like the MCU is a prime example of it where there's like what three memorable villains in, in the MCU. Like there's not many, there's not a lot. They're all, and the first five, six, seven years, they were all the, they've all been the same, right? They're like, basically it's the good guy, uh, but he's using the powers for bad. You know, it's like Iron Man is uh, Jeremiah. What's his name? Whatever. He's just got an Iron Man suit. Ant-Man is just, he's got an Ant-Man suit. Like they're all, and I love those, like those movies are great, but like the villains are just forgettable. They're there because they have to be there. 
And I think what I like about this Paramount Plus thing that they're offering us is these villains are going to have personalities and they're going to have to have personalities. And Baxter Stockman by Tyler Perry in Out of the Shadows is an all-time great performance. I don't care who you are. Yes, he is. I don't care. I don't care who you are at all. Batman, Andrew. We're moving on to Batman once again. We started the show with Batman. We're going to go to Batman. We got Stranger Things coming up a little bit later on, but we got to move to a topic you hate. You are a hater of the character of the Joker. You can, I've never met anyone who hated the Joker as much as you. I think just because you're jealous about the Joker. But there's... The Joker... I don't know if the Joker is going to be in the Matt Reeves movie, but the, it's it's looking like the Joker is in the Matt Reeves movie. There is an image online. I'm not going to show it here for fear of anybody who doesn't want to see a possible potential spoiler. Um, and again, this might not be a spoiler. I don't know, but there is an image floating around. If you want to see it, DM me on the Twitters. I'll show you. Um, but there's a, possibly a picture. We know this actor. Andrew, do you know how to say his name? Barry I think it's either Keegan or Kagan. Yeah, I don't think you pronounce the G-H. I uh, I thought so too. I thought it was Keegan and now I think it's Cohen. Cohen, maybe. We're going to have to call him. Can somebody get him on the phone? Yeah. Get Barry on the line, please. Get Barry, BK. We're just, let's just call him BK. So BK is in this movie. Um, he's His name is showing up in the movie. He's not an official cast member. If you watch that Fandango, I think it was Fandango interview where they had, they had uh, the whole cast. I don't know if you've, if you've seen that Andrew, where they have the whole cast lined up and they answer like terrible questions. And they're like, who's your, who is your Batman? And, and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I was born in the fifties. My Batman is Adam West. Clearly. Um, you know, it's, uh, Colin Farrell's like Adam West. And I'm like, I like Colin Farrell now. <laughs> He's going to Joker is showing up in this movie is what I'm saying. There's a, a leaked image now going on that could potentially be BK as the Joker. Andrew, if Joker mm -hmm. appears in this movie, he's not going to be the main character. Let's just get this out of the way right now. He's not yeah. going to be a main character. I know you're not looking forward to Joker, and I think I'm on the same page where there's a billion Batman villains you haven't used. Why do you keep going to the well? At least now they're going to the Riddler. Uh, Penguin, to me, makes sense. Catwoman obviously makes sense. Those are characters that I think they fit into the world but joker looks like he's going to appear in this we talked on tuesday you were on the show but we talked a little bit about matt hatter potentially being a drug dealer in this like a, a low tier villain is there room for you if joker is in this because joker like it or not andrew joker exists in batman lore and if this movie takes place a year and six months into the batman being the batman there's a chance that these characters exist and that the Joker could exist already. Would you be okay if the Joker was in this movie as not as a main threat, but as a, some sort of either criminal, a criminal who's already been behind bars or just somebody who's out there and is not the main antagonist. You know what? I'll be okay with that. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I'll be okay with it because it's, one of the only ways we haven't seen the Joker done before, which is just as a cameo, really. Um, I What I don't want is I don't want them to go back to that well of, hey, we have this whole movie where we're fighting Riddler, and then at the end we tease that the sequel is going to be all about the Joker, baby, because we've already done that. It's done. 
We have done everything that we could possibly do with the Joker that is interesting. Um, so to have him in there as a cameo, that to me is the most interesting way to use him because it's like acknowledging that in a way. It's saying, okay, we get it. This guy is played out, but you're right. He is part of the Batman mythos. He's an important part of Gotham. The trailer has Batman beating up guys in clown makeup. So it's like he is, if not already prowling the streets, then at least the DNA of what will become him is prowling the streets. So it makes sense to put him in there. But I think that would be kind of cool if he's in there to the same extent that like Wolverine was in at first class. You know, it's just like, look, we know this character is around, so we'll acknowledge him. But we're done telling that guy's story now. We're trying to do something different. I think I would love that. I would personally be really, really uh, grateful that they they had the bravery to do that and say, like, we're moving on. He's here. He's part of the world. We'll sell a toy if you really want. But we're moving on. The next movie is going to be Mr. Freeze or Mad Hatter or whatever. I would really want to see the ventriloquist. I think he's a seriously underrated Batman villain, and I want to see what they can do with him. Um, but I, I think a cameo would be a perfect thing just because of how fresh it is when it comes to how Joker's been portrayed. And Matt Reeves said this is like the rogues gallery and all that. And there were rumors years ago that there'd be about seven villains in this uh, a movie. Joker would just seem to make sense. And Joker, while he is a big bad, Penguin in this movie is not a big bad. Catwoman in this movie is not a big bad. The Riddler is the big bad, right? Penguin's mm-hmm. working his way up. Falcone is a big bad. Possibly the Waynes are big bads. Uh, the Court of Owls might be the big, 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 big of all the bads that Riddler's trying Ooh. to get us to pay attention to and scratch the surface of. So there's something there, and there's something to be said. And if you watch that, again, I'm going to go back to that Fandango interview, Andrew. If you watch that interview, Colin Farrell mentions, you know, you would always see, and he mentions Penguin, Riddler, Catwoman, Joker. Those are the big four. Those are the ones that were always running around on that show. They had other characters for sure, but those were the, the big four You maybe you, Penguin Conferral says only has like five or six or seven scenes in this movie. Joker might have less, but he might be impactful. And I think you could have an impactful Joker in a short amount of time. There's also rumor. I don't know. Andrew saying that perhaps the Joker is an inmate and they use him a little bit as a Hannibal Lecter type. What do you make of that? That would be cool. Uh, if it's somebody that Batman put away, uh, like a long time ago, and he just kind of goes to him for answers. I mean, from what I remember of the comics, I was not around in the 30s, but I think Joker was in Batman number one, like issue one. He was like the first guy he fought. So if they kind of acknowledge that without necessarily showing that fight or maybe just showing it as like part of a montage, but he goes to this guy who was one of the first big villains that he stopped and says like, hey, I'm dealing with this Riddler thing. Riddles are kind of like jokes. Maybe you can help me out. I don't know. Uh, I'm still, one of the questions that still lingers in my head, and I'm sure I've asked you this before, James, and I'm sure your answer was like, Andrew, who cares? (laughs) Is when, like, in regards of the production design of this movie, and I don't know if it's a choice by Matt Reeves or by the studio, but when you know Riddler is your big bad, I'm really curious, why go with red and not green? 
I've been thinking the same thing, and I, I've noticed that they've really been my internet cut out. By the way, just so you know, my I've 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 noticed that they're really clinging to that dusk or dawn setting on the rooftop. Also, all the posters are that orangey yellow now. They move. They've kind of moved on from the red, but you see here on the screen, red is their their go to instead of the green, and maybe because Batman Forever was green. Uh, red kind of works for this, so it could it could just be they don't want to they want don't want to be associated with with the film that came out before with the Riddler. Um, <laughs> I, but I, I don't I don't I honestly I don't know what it is. I'm sure we're gonna find out. I know I I like these uh, the McFarlane toys, like these figures. These like toys. I don't know if they're what kid would play with these, but I like these figures. But there's one from this movie, Andrew, that is uh, like splattered painted red because of the poster it's like the poster version of the figure is oh. red it's it's bigger too or something i don't know i haven't it was sold out and i was like whatever i just want that one so i, I don't know i don't know what that is um i should also say that i did see on um online this is from liam Cow Crow crowley is just is tweeting out uh like the cast for the batman and it has um, unseen Arkham prisoner Barry BK. BK is the unseen seen um, a pri uh, unseen Arkham prisoner. Ar Arkham prisoner. Thank you. Um, the, and I'm reading this too is a prosthetic design. The Penguin and unseen prisoner wow. is the same. The same person did the makeup for both of those. For the penguin, which is obviously massive amount of makeup, prosthetic design, did a prosthetic design for the unseen prisoner as well. Which I will say the picture again. If you want to see that picture, let me know. I can send it to you, or you can Google it. Whatever doesn't show any prosthetics on that picture. Green hair, maybe a little pale face, yes, but there's no prosthetics that I could see in the picture. So I don't know how that lines up. I, look, I also think he would make a great um, street level Mad Hatter as well, but. He could be the Joker. So we have that. And also uh, on Reddit, somebody said that they work at a theater and the cast list showed up uh, for like on their for buying the tickets. And BK's name is on the cast listing for their local theater. I don't know if that's real or not. I, you know what, though, Andrew? I'm going to look at our local theater. And by ours, Ooh, I mean mine. Call. And I'm going to go. Let's just type in. Okay. How do you use this app now? I'm like, they old guy. Like. Hey, how do you, uh, the uh, Batman? Here we go. Somebody tell them how to use apps. Somebody in the chat, walk them through it. Oh, I hit the trailer. <laughs> uh, here we go. Wow, this is uh, uh, so it's Robert Pattinson, Paul Dano, Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, John Turturro, Jeffrey Wright, and Andy Serkis. Um, so that's all that's listed here. So that if that if that what that person had is true, then there it is, but. He's listed as an unseen, uh, unknown Arkham prisoner. I, again, I, you know, we did a, a video on the Joker a little while ago, and people are like, I don't want the Joker. No more Joker. No more Joker. And I know that's how you feel, but I, get, I just think that if you're doing a Batman story, the Joker fits in that universe. And I've said it time and time again. The Dark Knight has a bazillion characters in it, and they all work together. And I think when you have Batman and you have these characters, you can throw them in there as little or as small as you want, as long as you give them something, you give them a purpose in your story. And um, 
Was it uh, Zaz in in Batman Begins or Dark Knight? It was in Batman Begins. He's in one of those. Yeah, and there's no point to it, but he's there, and that sets up possible. And they never went back to that well, obviously, but that character exists, and you can do that. And and why have no name, no, nothing characters when you can have characters that will get the fans excited? Why not do that? And that's why I think the Joker can work in this movie. Exactly. Uh, that's something that Marvel has done to make their fans really happy. It's like, hey, this villain needs a henchman. It's like, well, instead of a henchman, let's make it crossbones because he's a big deal in Captain, you know. So start doing that too. Why not? That's And that's what I love. I know um, Star Trek The Next Generation, I read this article years ago, the writers would write their script and whenever they needed to do some kind of sci-fi lingo, they would put in brackets sci-fi lingo and then the sci-fi experts would fill that part out. And I feel like when you watch The Mandalorian, and the book of Boba Fett and Star Wars, there are moments in there where I don't think Favreau's writing it. He knows what that what that is. He's just writing in brackets this, and then somebody from their story group is saying, "This is your this is your answer," and then they they make it like that. I think that's a, and if you the Duel of the Fates Star Wars script as well by Colin Trevorrow, there are things like Coruscant and things like that, which he didn't know that's what it was. But the story group said, well, this is what you're referring to, so use that. Let's go on to our final topic of the day, Mr. Fantasia. It's this TV show, and it's a lot stranger than you'd think. Hey stranger Things. Season 4 is hitting uh, Netflix in May. Part 1. Part 2 is coming out in July. And accompanying that release date, Andrew, there is a, a little letter that they they wrote. I don't know if you had a chance to read this letter or not. And I, have I did not. No. Well, you can read it right now. I'm not going to read it all, but the last paragraph, they kind of go into, uh, there are still, so anyway, basically it ends in season five. They're going to do two part season four, and then it's going to end in in season five. Would you like me to quickly read this for the people watching? Why not? Yeah, sure. I think Mr. Rez and Jennifer and Vermont are like, we came here to hear Andrew read, so why not? All right. That's what I do. Okay, here we go. Hi, nerds. Do you copy? It's been a little while. With nine scripts, over 800 pages, almost two years of filming, thousands of visual effect shots, and a runtime nearly twice the length of any previous season, Stranger Things 4 was the most challenging season yet, but also the most rewarding one. Everyone involved is incredibly proud of the results, and we can't wait to share it with you. Given the unprecedented length, and to get it to you as soon as possible, Season 4 will be released in two volumes. Volume 1 will release on May 27th. Volume 2 will release five weeks later on July 1st. So that's the good news. It's coming soon, and it's bigger than ever. It's also the beginning of the end. Seven years ago, we planned out the complete story arc for Stranger Things. At the time, we predicted the story would last four to five seasons. It proved too large to tell in four, but as you'll soon see for yourselves, we are now hurtling toward our finale. Season four will be the penultimate season. Season five will be the last. There are still many more exciting stories to tell within the world of Stranger Things, new mysteries, new adventures, new unexpected heroes, but first... We hope that you stay with us as we finish this tale of a powerful girl named Eleven and her brave friends, of a broken police chief and a ferocious mom, of a small town called Hawkins, and an alternate dimension known only as the Upside Down. As always, we are grateful for your patience and support. Over and out, Matt and Ross. Uh, wow. Over I, and out. I love when they when showrunners kind of spell this out and tell you sort of where the GPS is pointing. And man, these posters, have you seen the four of them together? The way they're... Yes. Yeah, that, that yeah is I almost used beautiful. that one, but... Uh, yeah, gorgeous. I can't gorgeous. Wait. 
I love this show. This is one of the, the one of the few Netflix shows that I always look forward to. I, I remember the first time I saw the trailer. I'm glad it's coming to an end, though, for for a few reasons. One, everything runs its course, and two, the kids are no longer kids. I think um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown just turned like 18, or she's about to like that's an adult now. So now the, the kids aren't going to be riding their little tricycles around town anymore, and then suddenly that stops being cute, and you're like, well, you're an adult now. I don't. Uh, you know your adventure's not that much fun, <laughs> so I don't know how it's gonna go. But I love that they I love that they mapped this out years ago. That they always had this plan. So there's a few points to this, Andrew. But the main point, the first point we're going to get into is they're breaking up season four into two halves. Are you a, a fan of this? They did this. We saw this. Netflix has done this a few times. HBO, I believe, was the first one to really do this. Are you a fan of splitting these series up into halves? Yeah, they did that with like Arrested Development as well and a couple other things. I, I'm i neither a fan nor do I hate it. I think it's fine. Um, I feel like thanks to stuff like The Mandalorian now, I'm just really, I, my heart lives in the world of just release it weekly so that I have something to look forward to every week. Um, because I, like I go back to the mistake that I made last year when Cobra Kai season three came out and I watched it all in 12 hours and I should not have done that. <laughs> it was not a smart thing to do. And I feel like I'm going to be so excited for this that when it comes out, I'm going to be tempted to do the same. But now he's talking about, or rather not he, they, because the, there's Duffer brothers, not Duffer singular here, but they're talking about how there's nine scripts um, but that it's also longer. Okay, so there's so there'll be. I, I'm confused by that. Nine scripts for the whole season, but they're splitting it up. So I think what they're trying to tell us is that the episodes themselves are longer. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. So if we have like episodes that are I don't know 80, 85 minutes each, then you're looking at a substantially increased runtime, like they're promising. Uh, so yeah, then that makes sense to stagger it a bit so it's not overwhelming. And I bet you any money, they just have a really cool midpoint thing going on in the story and they want to give people time to savor that. So why not? And it totally works with subscription-based programming where they're like, oh, you, you're going to want to stick around till July to do this. And it's not like, it, you know, it's two months. That's pretty good. I didn't like He-Man going six, five, six months, whatever it was. Like, yeah, that, that was, was weird. I, it was ridiculous. And then, and then that show, I don't know, it did, that show didn't stick for me. So, you know, whatever. But it, it was, it was too long of a gap. Also, it just, it was. By the time part two came, I was over it anyway. So I think two. Not that I would be over Stranger Things because I've been so invested for four hundred years now since the first one came out. But I think. I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm okay with the split. It's always weird to me when they split these things, um, but it's on Netflix and they drop them all at once. And it is one big giant movie. Essentially. It's going to probably take me the entire two months to watch all four, five, four or five episodes from part one. Also. Oh, and your, your buddy in crime here has just joined the chat. We should have had him on for our She-Hulk talk. Mr. Ryan J. Whitehead, yes, uh, he's right. Yeah, it looks like there might be two arcs uh, and they need the extra time to cover it. Because you're right, Ryan, because you have Hawkins and you have Russia. It looks like there's a lot of stuff going on in Russia. Yeah, so. yeah, they've expanded over to Russia. There's a lot going on. He is right about that. 
but they're also wrapping it up, right? So it's yes. going to be like arc, arc, but also you've got to figure that they're planting the seeds, the seeds to uh, to get us to the ending. And Disney Desi has joined us in the chat as well. Hello, Bright, Bright Suns. Suns. That's uh, uh, that's a good day in Hondo, apparently. <laughs> so what that is. Also, Andrew, though, the other thing that they're mentioning out here is there are still more exciting stories to tell within the world of Stranger Things. I mentioned to you a few years ago that I walked into a, a chapters indigo, whatever it was, and there were Stranger Things novelizations, and you were very excited. You meant, oh, that means the world is growing and expanding and there's more to tell. Are you excited for the possibilities of, of this version of Stranger Things ending, but spinoffs coming up? Based on what we have in the three seasons so far, I might say no. But if they give if four and five give us other things to explore that I would be interested in exploring, then yeah, I could because right now, as it stands, all we have is one town with one portal to one place, and all the monsters in that place all look the same. So uh, the world building to me doesn't have a whole lot of variety to it, but you know, if, if this opens up, if these seasons open up this world in a really big way, then I could get behind the idea of this being, you know, a thing. Uh, like if let's say season five ends with uh, the world kind of going, not like post-apocalyptic, but the world kind of goes, a Jurassic World 3 route where it's like, hey, we have demigorgons everywhere now. We just have to live with that and, you know, shield ourselves from these things. And we do some kind of spinoff where we jump ahead in the future and we follow this new group of people who are just dealing with living in this world. And hey, along comes these adult characters who are the original kids from Hawkins and they, they know the score. They've been around the block and it's like this version of Ghostbusters Afterlife just with them. That kind of thing, maybe I could get behind. Um, but right now, it's a very contained thing to me. The story is super contained to Hawkins, to the Upside Down. And I haven't seen enough variety to make me want to say, I'm going to read books and spin-off comics till I can't see straight, because it's not that kind of story yet. I, I'm kind of, I'm with you. But my big thing is, because you just said in the future and it's just the story works so well because of the 80s yes right like what we just said about ninja turtles how you like you know if the ninja turtles could keep new york in that era it, it this show is so dependent on 1985 or whatever it is right it's dependent on that air it's dependent on kids on bikes going outside no cell phones no, this or that. My feeling is that there is a lot they can do because while this is an isolated story and we only know what's going on right now, they're expanding to Russia clearly from what we've seen. There could be other instances happening elsewhere. And also 11 is number 11. They try, I mean, they did try to do that one episode, the Mandalorian episode in season two, where she goes off and visits her friends um, or her sister. Remember was, was she number 12 or eight or something like that? And yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind that episode so much, but it, it, people could not stand that episode. And I think that was our first attempt at at spinoffs was with that one. And I, I think there is a lot they can do in the spinoff. I'm with you. I don't think we've we've been introduced to enough of it, or we haven't been introduced to anything that would make me 
feel very excited about it right now, other than the fact that I like Stranger Things and I like this world. And if it ends, I would be willing to continue on. I do think, though, if you're going to spin it off, you do it now. You do it sooner than later. You do it before season five. You do it before the show ends. You give it to me now. You don't let it end, right? You do the Book of Boba Fett in the middle of the Mandalorian. You don't do it at the end. You do it now. Give it to me now. Give me a reason. You know, tease me with it. Be like, okay, you're going to get season five, but first we're going to give you this show. And that's that's what would get me on board more with it. Because again, if they do a spinoff, Andrew, and it doesn't look as great as Stranger Things or you know, it doesn't follow kids, it's not the Goonies with demons, maybe I'm not as invested in it. And if you give it to me after... I might stay away, but if you give it to me in the middle, I might go to it, gravitate to it just to cling on a little bit longer. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. The eighties does make a huge world of difference. Um, yeah, you're right, Ryan, maybe give it a break, get, let time kind of heal all the wounds and then let people get hungry for it again. Um, but I feel like I remember the problem when- is streaming. To- I was just saying streaming. The problem with streaming is it doesn't it doesn't want you to take time. <laughs> it wants you to keep paying for it. So yes. they're going to be like, here's Stranger Things seven and eight and nine, and here's Stranger 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 Things. That's how that's how they work, right? They want they want to get you on. That's the problem. Is story? Sorry, Andrew. Story comes second, right? Story comes second. Your your sixteen dollars a month comes first. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, one day we'll live in the world where it's the opposite, but. You're right. Like I when oh, please wonder before the first season ever came out, I distinctly remember being somewhere online, maybe it was on Netflix itself, I don't know, and seeing the poster saying this new show called Stranger Things is coming soon to Netflix. It's coming in like five months, whatever. And the poster was a classic hand-drawn Drew Struzan looking poster. Yeah. And I got so excited. I was like, I have no idea what this show is, but I'm already like waiting in front of my TV for it to start. And I remember telling people like, oh my God, there's this like really crazy looking 80s adventure show coming out. And everybody's like, whatever. And then the show comes out and the whole world's talking about it. (laughs) So you're right. If they lose that retro appeal, what is the show then? But just a sci-fi about some scary, but land monsters in a portal so that's why i'm really hesitant to say that i get excited for any kind of spin-offs or world building because just the world as it is i like it in this story i don't know if i necessarily like it in others yeah absolutely uh completely agree with you on that as much as i like this i don't know if i'd like it beyond this i don't know my first time being exposed to stranger things was the first trailer for it i was uh, on i was playing soccer and it was like a half hour hour before i had to leave and i put on imdb and this trailer for this thing called stranger things came up and i was like oh what's this and then i put it on and i watched it and i was like oh okay and it came out a few months later and and i like it and i watched it all uh, i think i watched the first season twice which is for me that's impressive but anyway andrew we're gonna wrap it up anything else you want to say are you sad that the Tarantino Star Trek is dead? <laughs> no, because I feel like it was dead the moment it got announced. Uh, and I think that's far for the course with lots of Tarantino yeah. stuff. He, he just kind of says things, you know, he'll wake up tomorrow and do a press conference and be like, hey, uh, I think I'm going to make a Wonder Woman movie, guys. I, I don't know. 
and then uh, in in like four months they'll be like, I'm not making a Wonder Woman movie. That's crazy dumb. So. I, I actually the the Tarantino Star Trek thing was funny because I think like a month or a few weeks before it was announced, I listened to a podcast, which was like a year or two old at this point. And he talked about Star Wars and Star Trek. And they asked him, and he goes, oh, I'm more into Star Trek. But he's like, I like the original series of Star Trek. And he went on to it. And then he talked about the J.J. Abrams ones. And he goes, the good, and this, he did this before the third movie came out. So he talked about the first one, and he loved the first one. Then he talked about the second one. Have you heard this podcast? You should, I'll send you the link if you haven't. But he talks about what he got, what they did wrong in the second Star Trek movie. And it makes so much sense. And he talked about what he loved about it. And and then and then he and then people are like, he's gonna do it. And I was like, What? No, I listened to that podcast. It's old and he's not making it. And then he actually said he was doing it. And Variety today, Andrew, just put out an article uh with the I don't remember the actor's name, but it was a writer's name that he was writing it with, and they got together for meetings and stuff, and apparently it was his script was uh, a take on the 18th episode, I believe, of the original Star Trek show. And it's going to be like 1920 or 30s Gangster Earth, but it might have been like another planet. And they used to just get together and watch gangster movies and just talk about Star Trek. And then it just kind of died. <laughs> That's funny. And you know what? I, I only know the name of one episode from the originals, and it's that one. So that's really funny. <laughs> that's the one he picked. Uh, Disney does he's saying that she thinks Stranger Things suffers from binge watching on like Disney Plus. I think about those shows day in and day out for weeks with Netflix. I watch them one sitting and forget about it. Exactly. Disney exactly that's what happened yeah. to me with with Cobra Kai season three. And I love that show, but I it was totally my fault. I binged when I shouldn't have. Um, and my kids were like, I learned binging from watching you, Dad. And now they're horrible monsters and I've disowned <laughs> them. So I'd rather go the Disney Plus route myself. I, so I hate binging, as you know. I've brought this up many a time. I cannot stand binging. I two episode max kind of guy. But I've read articles that that model for Netflix is is not doing them any favors right now. It's hurting them apparently, and that could be why they're splitting up Stranger Things into two sections. They're not going to drop their model of all at once. They want you to. But the thing I can't stand, Andrew, is on May when they drop the first half of season four. You're going to watch it. Brock's going to watch it. And I'm going to be waiting around. It's going to take me two months to finish all four or five episodes. And you guys are going to be done. And we, the problem is we can't talk about it. Whereas Disney Plus drops it and Apple does this and Prime, I think, does this. They drop it weekly. All of a sudden, you know, I might not watch it the same time as you, but I'm watching it that day most likely. And then we could talk about it. And we have a week to talk about this thing. And yeah, and, and Stranger Things, you know, last the last season dropped, I wasn't, around i think i was on vacation or something when it dropped brock watched it all i was gone he's like did you see it i'm like no we can't talk about it by the time i finally caught up and talked about it he was like i don't even remember he was like yeah "Yeah, things happened i don't know so i think disney does he has a point there um whether or not netflix cares i doubt it because they're still getting our 17 dollars a month (laughs) they're still swimming in all our money right you're right they don't have the most important thing with shows like this is they don't have the water cooler appeal yeah. Something like Lost had the water cooler appeal. People talked about it all week and asked questions and spat theories at one another. And you can't do that with this because it's like, hey, hey, Gail, what do you think is going to happen at the end of in the finale of Stranger Things? And Gail's like, well, don't ask me because I've only watched two episodes. So you can't get that same conversation going with something like this. It's uh, It's expecting everybody to be on the same page. And even though 
bajillions of people have Netflix, they're rarely ever synchronized in their binging. No, absolutely. And I'm I'm the worst at it. There are shows that I, I love and it takes me forever to do. I like I love The Witcher a lot. I like that show a lot. Um, and it, it took me, I think, two weeks to watch it the last season because I'm just I'm not I'm just like I watched an episode today, maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll wait two days. If that's just how I am. I'm not if it's a, if it's a movie, it's different. But if you put it episodic, I once you give me a break, you give me an out, I'm out. <laughs> And I walk away and I'm like, I want to go outside and get some fresh air. But anyway, we got to wrap it up. We've gone over time today. Andrew, thank you so much. Why don't you uh, go uh, whore out uh, Side Scroller and your YouTube channel? Oh, I, I don't have it near me, so I can't hold it up. But Side Scroller is my book oh, and what? I wrote it. Yeah, uh, you can find it on Amazon. Just type it, go to Amazon and type in Andrew Fantasia Side Scroller. And you can get it on paperback or ebook. And it's really, really orange because that was the color scheme i chose uh unlike batman like who chose batman. red even though they probably actually, should go with green actually your your book cover looks like the batman posters so you're uh you should probably market them side by side tonight for all of you rebel scum fans tonight there is a round table uh with andrew brock myself and ross from Fanta tracks talking about star wars books and the novelizations andrew has a bone to pick with them and he picks it good. And I buy a book live on the show. So you're going to watch that tonight. <laughs> 8 o'clock. You're going to watch it. Like, I mean, you will watch that tonight. That's on at 8 o'clock tonight on Rebel Scum Podcast Channel. If you're watching the repeat of this, just go over to the Rebel Scum Podcast Channel. And you could check that out. But until then, thank everybody for watching. Thank you so much. Uh, don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe. If you haven't liked us and subscribed us, it's been an hour and nine minutes. Why haven't you done it? Okay, bye. <laughs> Do we have a sign-off phrase for this show? I know it's been three years, but... It is. It is. Do you want me to do it now? Are you ready for it? I don't know. I thought as ready as I'll ever be. You heard me say it last time, but I'm... He's Andrew. I'm James. And may you be the master of your own universe. This music. Oh, yeah. Grab yourself a margarita. Sit by the pool or the jazz piano or wherever you want. It's Friday. Get in your comfy clothes. I don't have any comfy clothes. We established that at the top of the show. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>